I want to welcome all of you again to Shine. It's so good to be together as family. And I don't know about you, but it just feels like um, kind of this little valley that we're walking through together um, as a nation, as, a, as an entire world, really, certainly as a church family. Um, it seems like it's really kind of crystallizing and boiling to the top the things that are really important, the things that really matter. You know, we're, we're willing to sit down in front of our TV set in our living room and tune other things out and say, hey, this time we're going we're gonna to worship Jesus together. We're going to hear his word. We're going to press in as family. We're going to engage with others online and, and make sure that each other is okay. And just so many incredible things are happening as we kind of discover, okay, when we're kind of shaken and, and things aren't just the status quo and things aren't the way they always have been, I really think it's revealing in a very cool way um, that we're recognizing some of the things that really do matter to us and some of the things that truly are the kingdom of God and, and, and really bread. Jesus said, you know, my body is real food and my blood is real drink. I think some of what's happening during this time is that it's being crystallized, what is real and what is weighty and what really matters. And so it's just so great to be together, uh, just enjoying one another, enjoying the presence of the Lord. Thank you, um, Janelle uh, and Adam, for that incredible time of worship in the Lord's presence. How fun and, uh, and glorious was that. But hey, it's a privilege to be with you. Um, I'm excited just to share God's word together as family. I believe that during this time, as all of us are, uh, in fact, Pastor Dan was asking me, hey, you know, is this message still going to be part of the Practical Christianity series? And we kind of talked about it and we both kind of agreed like, well, does it really matter at this point? I mean, are we really thinking about titles of series? I think we're all kind of like coming to the Lord like, Please speak into our situation. Um, say something that, that matters. Lord, we're listening, Jesus. We want to hear your word. You're the shepherd. Say something relevant. Say something, God, to us in the midst of, of everything that we're going through. And so um, I think as, as far as, you know, I guess technicalities are concerned, yes, it is uh, practical Christianity. We're going to be talking about entering God's rest. And I think that, you know, what better time is there for God to really reveal to us the thing Things that are practical, the things, the ways to truly like where our faith meets the road, right? Where it gets real. And it's getting real up in here. Amen. Can I get a witness? Um, it is getting real. The trial's getting real, but also the presence of God in our midst and his grace with his people in the middle of this is getting real. And so I wanted just to talk about something that I've heard several people share lately. Um, a lot of our intercessors, people that are kind of have that little prophetic antenna um, into the, the spirit realm, so to speak, and that are hearing from God. And a lot of uh, those people in our midst uh, have been talking about the idea that God has been, as we've been walking through this kind of turmoil all around us, and certainly maybe even inside of our own hearts and minds and emotions and families and schedules and all that, um, they've been hearing the idea of stop or pause or slow down and listen. And maybe kind of like a railroad track, right? I think when I was getting my driver's license, which Rob, don't say when that was. It was many, many moons ago. Uh, but I think the idea of a railroad sign was stop, look, and listen right? That was the warning of like, hey, this is important. This could be uh, life and death. Stop, look, and listen. And I really believe that people are hearing that. I know Pastor Stephen Furtick from Elevation taught about it last week. Typically, God tells him about a week ahead of the rest of us, kind of what he's saying to the church. And so I think if we're within a week of that, we're in good shape. So he actually preached a message on when God says stop. And I encourage you to hear that if you haven't heard it. It's a great word as well. But um, I truly do believe that God is, is in the middle of all this craziness telling us to stop, to slow down, 
to pause, to listen. And there's something that he wants to um, awaken. There's a gift in all of this that he is wanting to give once again to his people. He's wanting to give us the gift of rest. He's wanting to give us in the middle of, ironically, maybe the most turbulent time we've ever lived through. I believe that God is wanting to give us the gift of rest, the gift of his peace, the gift of Sabbath. And so I wanted to look at that um, together uh, as we get into God's word. And um, the context of this is that Sabbath was part of God's perfect design and his perfect rhythm for us. Sabbath was not like a legalistic law thing that God gave Moses. Man, Sabbath was something that from the time God created the Garden of Eden and put the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden and and walked with them in fellowship, in sweet friendship, in communion together, in the cool of the day. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 2, the very second chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. In the NIV, it says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, the work of, obviously, creation. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then, listen to this, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy separate from all the other days, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Can you imagine creating everything? All the crazy looking fish with all the neon stripes and colors and zebras and all the, you know, different kinds of vegetation and clouds and, you know, all of that, the ecology, just everything he created in six days. He rested. He finished from his work. Listen to how it says it in the International Standard Version. By the seventh day, God had completed the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he stopped working. He stopped working on everything that he had done. Now, I think that there's something we should probably think about for a second and say out loud, and that is this. The ideal is that in six days, we finish everything, right? Would you agree? That's kind of the ideal. Whatever goals, whatever task list, whether at work, whether at home, moms educating your kids or dads staying home, whatever it might be. But I think we all have those lists in our head and we all want to, man, we got we to get through it. We got to complete all those things. And the ideal is that we complete all those things and then we're like, all right, everything is checked off the list. Now we rest. But here is the reality of it. I think oftentimes, if, if your life is like mine, uh, more often than not, not everything on that list gets checked off any given day or any given week. And here is the challenge. I believe that we see an ideal there. God, obviously being perfect, man, he finished everything. Everything was checked off his list. Everything was crossed off. Boom, perfect. You know, mountains, sun, moon, stars, you know, all of that. Little fish, little grasshoppers, all this stuff. And and everything worked perfectly. And then he was like, okay, then he stopped. But I think here's a challenge for us. We have a decision to make if we're going to truly be able to activate the gift of Sabbath, the gift of rest from the Lord in our lives that I believe is something he's renewing right now in our time, in the middle of all this chaos that we're going through, we have a choice to stop working. Even if we don't quite get it all done, I believe there's still an invitation from the Lord that calls us into Sabbath, that calls us into rest. And I'm not saying it has to be one particular day. Obviously with the Jewish people, it was on Friday night at sundown to Saturday at sundown. 
Man, Romans talks about that. The Apostle Paul says, hey, for one person, one day is more special. For another person, every day is the same, and they're walking in God's rest every day of the week. This is not about what day or what time or start the clock, start the clock. This is about a gift that God wants us to be walking in as his people. And so don't get caught up on the, the minutiae. Don't get caught up on the details of it. Receive this. Open your heart to this as a gift from God that he wants and is inviting us into to join him. God rested on the seventh day and he made it holy. And he's inviting us as his people saying, I want you to discover, I want you to discover the beauty, the gift, the refreshing, the, the, the renewal that happens, the, re, the, the recalibrating that happens. So many things. We're gonna look in just a minute about three things that God invites us to pay attention to and the incredible uh, power that is unleashed in us as we join God in his rest. But I wanna mention this. Um, Israel was known among the nations back thousands of years ago, even with their captors, the Romans, and other nations of that time, back in the Bible days, they were actually known for being the people who literally got an entire day off every week. That was like a thing. Like other nations, the slaves and the servants and whatever, they would be working 24-7. They would not get a break, or if they got a break, maybe it was for a few hours or whatever. The Hebrews were known, the Jewish people, as these mysterious people whose God had actually instituted some time off, some recess. If you're, you know, in grade school, you're listening to this, right? The fun stuff, where we get to chill and push back the work and just enjoy the fun parts of life. God had literally legislated that into the rhythm of his people to make sure they didn't miss out on the refreshing and the renewal and the good gift that he has for us in that time. And I believe we would be wise if we pay attention to what God is saying to his church even during this time as well. By the way, if you're asking for a motive, to like, like, how do I know this is gonna help me? I mean, what benefit could there be to resting and to discovering this gift from God? I wanna tell you this. Of the Nobel Prize winners that have been given over, I think, the last 100 plus, just over 100 years, the Jewish population is 0.2% of the world, right? The Jewish population of the world is 0.2%. But of the list of Nobel Prize winners, these are people, men and women, who have had incredible ideas, who have um, brought peace to our world, who have invented uh, incredible inventions for the good of mankind. In medicine, they've discovered cures for things. I mean, these are people that arguably have made our world a better place through their life. We can look and say, wow, if that person hadn't been alive, all of these people wouldn't have, you know, been blessed by that solution or wouldn't have been healed by that medicine or wouldn't, you know, these nations would still be at war if that person hadn't written that book or brought those leaders together, whatever it might be. Listen to this. World population, 0.2% Jewish. Of the winners of those Nobel, uh, Nobel Prizes, uh, the population of Jewish people is 20%. 20% were Jewish. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but I think you can get your calculators out. Um, you can chime in with your comments online. I'm actually watching you here have the live stream pulled up, but I think that's 100 times. So I think 10 times instead of 0 0.2 would be 2.0. That'd be 2%. Another 10 times is 20% of those prizes. 100 times 
what it should have been. I don't know about you. Take it or leave it. It's not biblical. You don't have to agree. You can totally disagree. It's no big deal. But when I see that one particular people who practices, who is known in the world for getting, amongst other things, one big thing of the power of rest once a week, the power of family, the power of coming together and recalibrating and making sure that the main stuff is the main stuff. Um, I'm telling you what, if they are a hundred times more represented in Nobel Prizes, it might be something to think about. Somebody just uh, texted in or uh, commented in, Amy, that rest makes us smarter. Rest makes us smarter. I believe there's stuff released in us, guys. I believe that, that God knows what is inside of us as a people? What is inside of you? And I think there's, there's, there's creativity, there's ideas, there's innovation, there's business concepts, there's family secrets of raising your kids, mamas, there's, there's secrets, you know, in your career, dads, man, in the kitchen, there's a new recipe that God might want to give you. Stuff is going to come out of resting that we haven't even begun to understand. And I believe God is inviting us into this. So I wanted to jump in and say this. Sabbath is a time to stop and pay attention. Sabbath is a time to stop and pay attention. And in the first place, I believe that God is inviting us to pay attention to ourselves. Yes, you heard it right. To pay attention to ourselves. It sounds selfish. It sounds humanistic. Oh, wait a minute. You know, he's starting with, you know, know thyself, you know, whatever Socrates or Plato, whoever said that. But here's the thing. I believe that if you're like me, um, we live our lives on very little margin. Pastor Dan is probably commenting in right now of how I ran into this sanctuary <laughs> just before this service time began. And uh, from another commitment, and I'm changing my clothes and, you know, running around and putting things in you version and all this kind of stuff. So I certainly am not a perfect example by any stretch of margin. But I believe that all of us, as I look around, I see a lot of other people who are struggling just like I am with that idea of margin, with that idea of rest, with that idea of pushing back on our responsibilities at certain intervals, right? And with the Jewish people, it was once a week. Again, it can be whatever the Lord reveals to you and to me. But understanding that principle, I think that God knows that beauty that's gonna be released in us. And here's the thing, Psalm 23, I wanted to read this to you um, from the Passion Translation. And uh, uh, you can follow along if you want, but I'm just going to read it. It says these words. Listen for kind of that idea of God bringing you, first starting with paying attention to ourselves, where we're at emotionally, mentally, physically. Listen to this. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I, ha I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. He tracks me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. I love that. It reminds us of what Pastor Peter just let us in. Fear will never conquer me, for you, Lord, already have. 
You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. Other versions say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of. You, you give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Whew, that's refreshing. I believe that God, you know, verse three, it speaks of that he restores and revives my life. Verse two says he offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. Verse five, you become my delicious feast. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows, right? My cup overflows. God is saying, he knows us, church. He knows when we're running on red line. He knows when we're allowing everything, all of our responsibilities, family responsibilities, uh, work responsibilities, personal responsibilities, optional things that we've engaged in and chosen to commit to. God knows when we're being flooded and, and the water line is coming up and we're, we're struggling to survive. And he has a better vision. He's saying, church, if you will come, I want you to pay attention to yourself. I want you to pay attention to your physical body. Can you kick your feet up and relax? Can you rest? Can you sit in your backyard like Pastor Rob does sometimes or used to sit by the oak tree back in the acreage and just look at the sky and the clouds and maybe just sit there and do nothing for a while, you know? So we're so, we're so productive. Have you noticed we're, we're even like task-oriented about our time with God? Like, okay, Lord, I've got my journal open. i got my Bible open. I listened to the Elevation Worship or Pastor Janelle and Adam and whew, Jesus. Okay, so speak to me. Okay, go. And, and we're like, you know, we're wanting to like get through this so efficiently. And I think God is challenging us. Like, guys, learn to chill out a little bit. Like, it doesn't all happen on cue. Um, couples, if you've gone on a vacation, you know this. Maybe, you know, if you've gone away and stayed at a hotel for a few days, maybe had a swimming pool, maybe it was beautiful and sunny, maybe the weather was a little warmer than it tends to be here in Colorado in March or whatever. And something happens as you just relax and you can't force it you can't rush it it just you don't know exactly like is it going to be four hours into it eight hours into it is it going to be day two is it going to be day three different i've been on vacations maybe you have too where you feel like day three or four you're just beginning to like <sighs> okay like i'm just i'm getting in touch with a place in my heart that i didn't even remember i had I'm, I'm thinking about things in a fresh way that I wasn't thinking. I'm, I'm thinking about people in my life. I'm thinking about friends that I need to re-engage with that I've, you know, that have gotten just kind of trampled in the, in the mud and mire of my busyness. And I think God is saying, man, I want you, even as a physical being, I've created you body, soul, and spirit. God is saying to us, you're not just a spirit. Don't just check the list and think you can move on. I want to do a work of refreshing of resting, 
of renewing. Maybe it's your diet, your, your rest. Maybe it's taking naps. Maybe it's pushing back on work. Maybe it's, maybe it's working in blocks of time where you literally can open up little moments of your schedule. Whatever it might be, my prayer is, man, may we be listening, Lord. Can we stop or slow down? Even me, I know, it's hard to believe. And can we listen? Can we listen? Jesus, how do you want me to take better care of my body? How do you want me to take better care of my emotional state? What do you want me to be reading? What do you want me to be listening to? What do you not want me to be watching? And I spoke with somebody this week, called me, was, well, called my wife, and was just paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed by fear. They've been watching the news, what's happening in New York, caskets being loaded into tents outside of hospitals. Literally, there was terror and fear in the sound of their voice. Maybe God is saying, hey, I know what your soul needs. It's not wrong to be informed. It's not wrong to be wise. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't take this out of context. But I believe that God is saying to us, man, maybe there's a time to turn that off and to be sensitive to, to where you're at. Where's your heart? Where's your soul? Where are your emotions? Where's your thought life? Are you following me into this place of rest and refreshment? I believe that God, even in our crazy, us to do that. Another area that God is wanting us to be uh, mindful of and pay attention to is each other. Um, uh, I think that, that something beautiful that's happened during this time is that we've seen people really in that slowing down and that resting, and maybe they won't call it Sabbath, you know, maybe they don't know that word and know the, the history of the Hebrew people and God's invitation to them. But just in the course of like schedules being turned inside out, upside down, people maybe working from home now, people, you know, just at home different hours or at work different hours or whatever, telecommuting, splitting the difference, whatever it might be, schooling the kids at home, learning those things. I think that I've heard from a lot of different people, I've seen different people taking care of each other in new ways. There's somebody on the Nextdoor app in our neighborhood asking if anybody needed groceries and was afraid to go to the grocery store. Um, I've heard of Zoom groups being formed and people that used to meet in person, again, discovering during this time what really matters and saying, this is important. This is important. This is not just a habit. I just go to church on Saturday or on Sunday or whatever. And I, yeah, I, whatever, high five the people and go back and say, this means something in my life. And I need to, to figure out how to make this happen. Maybe it's Facebook or social media or Zoom or email or text or fax machine or smoke signals. I don't know what it is for you. That's not the, the issue. But I think that all of us are realizing that God is awakening us to a new compassion and to slowing down enough to, to pay attention to the other person. Are they getting what they need? Do they have toilet paper? Do they have groceries? Are they feeling safe? Are they okay? What do they need? How can we minister to each other during this time? Um, um, even our mayor uh, posted something that I wanted to share with you. Jason Gray is, uh, is a great brother in Christ. Uh, they own uh, Crowfoot Valley Coffee as well. I encourage you as part of, if one of your things is supporting local business, I think that's a brilliant idea. They are open for takeout and delivery and all that. But listen to what he posted yesterday, um, I believe it was yesterday, on uh, social media. He said, the last few months and now the last couple weeks have been some of the toughest in my life. But I and we will be better for it. I truly believe it. I have more compassion, more understanding, and more love for my town, my community, and my family than ever. All of us, no matter who we are, are going through these things we never imagined. On the other side of this, we will rise. 
I have been around so many people who are caring and care for each other with much love, and it is inspiring. As always, proud to be your mayor. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Be well. All my best. Jason Gray. You know, our mayor's noticing. I'm sure you're noticing. There's just this new compassion. There's something that God is doing. And church, let me just clarify for a second. We don't have to know, you know, did God send this? Does God ever send judgment? Does God ever send things like pestilence or famine or wars or, you know, plagues, so to speak? Or does God just stand by like, oh, I don't know what's happening any more than you do, but let's try to get through this together. Or somewhere in the middle, like, well, I'm allowing it. You know, I'll allow it, like the meme says. Here's the thing. I don't think that's the question. I don't think we really have to know the answer. We can argue about it. In the Bible, we see times where God did allow something uncomfortable, disruptive, or even in times destructive happened to his people. Read the book of Judges. Every time his people would go into idolatry and leave intimacy with him and stop walking closely and stop just walking in that joy-filled, life-filled relationship that we were created for. And they started worshiping other gods and allowing other things to take God's place. God would allow other nations to oppress his people. It's called cycles of apostasy, if you're a Bible nerd. Cycles of apostasy. I think there were six of them. My in-state students will forgive me if I got it wrong. But there's literally six times in the book of Judges where the same cycle, right? God's people loved him, were worshiping him. All of a sudden, apostasy happened. They fell away from their walk with the Lord. All of a sudden, God moved other nations, the Amalekites, the Philistines, other nations, to oppress his people. So oppression came. What did oppression lead to? Repentance. People were like, God, forgive us. We're in covenant with you. We're your people. You're our God. Not all these other idols. Man, let's take them down. Man, people would get rid of their idols. They would repent to God. Guess what God would do? In his mercy, he would forgive. And he would raise up a judge. Male, female, Deborah, Samson, uh, Ehud. Read all about him. Gideon. Incredible people, men and women, that God raised up. And guess what? There was an incredible victory. There was deliverance. There was victory from their enemies. And the people once again lived in peace and in prosperity. So am I telling you God never sends or God doesn't allow negative things in our lives? No, I think we, we see in the Bible he does. What is COVID? I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe it's just the result of a fallen world and viruses that happen in our fallen world. Either way, here's what I'm trying to communicate, church, is that we don't have to know the answer to where exactly it comes from, but we can say, God, what are you trying to do through this? God, I want my heart to be stopping, listening and looking and paying attention, pausing, Selah, listening in a way that I haven't listened in a long time. What are you wanting to accomplish through this in my life? What are you wanting to accomplish in my marriage? What are you wanting to accomplish in my kids? What do you want to accomplish in my friends? What do you want to accomplish in our church? What do you want to accomplish in our nation, in our city? You know, uh, Mayor Gray is asking himself that question. I think that's what, I think if we ask ourselves that question and do pause and do stop, look and listen, I believe God is going to flood in with his love and he's going to speak to us and he's going to increase our understanding of what he's wanting to accomplish, how he's wanting to bring us back in repentance to himself. And we're going to see, man, the beauty and, and the fruit of, of this rest, the fruit of Sabbath, the fruit of listening to him, paying attention to each other and attention to him. I think there's one other picture I wanted to show you guys. Um, that's the picture of the family riding their bikes. 
Um, I don't know if you have that one, uh, and you can pull it up. Um, but it, there's a, some neighbors of ours in our street. Their names are Ben and Caitlin, and I've seen them a few times uh, in our neighborhood. And we kind of have a little cul-de-sac where it goes into like a, a trail and some uh, BMX uh, little places there for kids and bikes and and uh, this couple I've seen them several times this week and I told them one time I was like you know what good for you guys good on you for getting out as a family and and being out and obviously doing what Governor Polis encouraged us to do to stay fit stay healthy get out there get exercise be active obviously practice social distancing and all of that with people that are not in your household but but they're out there loving on each other loving on their kids they got three kids you see the picture right there and that's Ben and Caitlin and their kids and uh what a, what a cool thing and I just had to encourage them I was like this is some of the best that we're seeing come through this horrible pandemic is families coming together, prioritizing each other. And I believe that's part of Sabbath, isn't it, Rob? It's, it's, it's that time of pausing. It's that time of putting the pause button and, and paying attention to each other. How are you doing, son? How are you doing, daughter? How's school going? How's your job interview? How's your relationship with your significant other? Honey, how are you? Vice versa. I think we're seeing it happen. And God just, I just believe we need to just say, yes, God, amen to that. So be it done unto us. More, Lord, more Sabbath, more paying attention and compassion and love to each other within our families, within our communities, within our neighborhoods, and within our world. I believe people are gonna see Jesus through us um, as we do that. Um, The last area that I believe God wants us, well, not the last area, the third of my three. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a thousand that God is speaking to, to you and, and people all over uh, the world. But the last one that I wanted to highlight today is that he, it's a time not just to pay attention to ourselves, our physical bodies, our minds, our thoughts, our emotions, how God wants to refresh us. God wants to have us increase our sensitivity and awareness and, and love and compassion and engaging with each other in Sabbath as we push pause. But, but ultimately, God wants us to pay attention to him. Right? We were created to worship. We were created for relationship with him. And he's inviting us during this time to, to stop and pay attention. Deuteronomy 10 verse 8 says this. At that time, the Lord set apart, me, set apart the tribe of Levi to carry, listen to what their purpose was for this tribe, to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to stand before the Lord and minister to him and to bless in his name as it is to this day. So the tribe of Levi, we talked about a couple weeks ago how God has called us, and even last week, Pastor Dan expounded on it, God has called us to be his priests, to carry his presence. The, the tribe of Levi was just an extension of helpers to the priest, the priesthood of Aaron. And so we, we understand that they were called by God to be a part of that. And I love this, that it says, hey, don't forget, uh, uh, Moses is telling his people before they go into the promised land, Deuteronomy was just kind of his like, you know, uh, preparing the people. You're gonna go into the promised land. I'm getting ready to go be with the Lord. But man, don't forget this stuff. This is important. Write this down. Somebody write this down. It's gonna be in the Bible one day. You know, that kind of thing. And so he's teaching the people. He reviews the 10 commandments. He's telling all their blessing is from God. They need to serve him and honor him. But then he says this, the tribe of Levi, hey, this is your job to stand before the Lord and minister first and foremost to him. That's why it was so valuable what we were doing, worshiping Jesus. That's why we take time in our services, whether virtual or, or in person, to minister to the Lord. Guys, we're not gonna be effective in carrying his peace and his presence 
to our community if we're not ministering to him. If we don't understand that as Levites, as his people, as his priests, he's inviting us. Guys, this is not a task or a chore. This is a beautiful privilege to stand before the Lord and minister to him and sing his praises and declare with our lips his faithfulness. That he pours out upon us a blessing, a confidence, a joy, a life, that then we can take that. And guess what? The priests were the people that, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago in, in Numbers chapter six, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Woo, I'll tell you what, when we've been in the presence of God ministering to him, now when we bless someone, I've been blessing brides and grooms that I've been interacting with, I'll start, even the ones that say non-religious wedding on Thumbtack, as we're emailing back and forth, I'm starting to say, hey, peace be with you. You know, I might not have to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, Shabbat, amen, hallelujah, I feel the glory. And this, you know, I, I can save that for the second email. Michael Conkin, I know you're watching, you know, you, you, you can attest to how I was emailing you last year in our wedding preparations. But here's the thing, I believe that when we've been in God's presence, when we've chosen to prioritize Him in Sabbath, in recognizing our, our privilege to just be like, Lord, this is my, this is, this is home right here. This is your presence. This is where I am renewed, but guess what? This is where I get to minister to you. This is where I get to lift my voice. This is where I get to lift my arms. This is where I get to put everything else on hold and just with my lips and with my mind and with my just re reflecting upon you, meditating upon you, speaking out your praise. Maybe it's getting on my knees. There's seven different Hebrew words that talk about praise, from kneeling to shouting to singing to raising our hands, halal, blah, blah. I don't even remember right now, but there's a bunch of them. It's pretty cool. You can study it. Um, God is saying, if you'll come to me and recognize and Sabbath and minister to me and get in touch with me and pay attention to me, I'm going to pour out on you a blessing so great. You're going to be walking out being peace to people. But when you say peace on somebody, it's going to be like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, whoa, there's something to that. It's not just an empty word or an empty phrase. We are filled with the presence of God as his priests. And this community is going to be changed because they're going to see Jesus in us. Just a couple more thoughts real quick. Everybody doing okay? Uh, let me see here. What did I miss? Okay, I'm just going to check in with you guys. Speaking of checking in with each other. I'm checking in real quick, a few comments. Uh, yep, wow, that's good, Kim. Uh, Kim's texting while I'm preaching. She's not even paying attention. Uh, quarantine snacks, got Amy Martinez. <laughs> Neil, you unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance. Dude, how powerful is that song as ministering to the Lord? Exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly right, Neil. Thank you for sharing um, that with us. A couple more thoughts real quick. Song of Solomon. Now, parents, don't worry. I'm not going to start reading from the Song of Solomon. I recognize kids are in the room. Some of you engaged couples out there are like, oh, no, please, read Song of Solomon. I've actually been reading it, well, before I joined the 60-day Bible in 60 days plan that Pastor Dan put out there. I was reading a different Bible plan, and I was actually in Song of Solomon, and I just read through it. And here's the deal. Long story short, God wants us to know he feels about us the way a bridegroom feels about his bride. I'm not going to get a lot into this. I'll let you do your research at home as is age appropriate and marital status appropriate and all that. But I'm telling you what, it's a powerful, it's a very stirring, it's a very graphic, it's a very intense 
book, and God had his people read it once a year at the Feast of Passover. So think about this, to celebrate God redeeming his people out of slavery, bringing them out, making them his own, setting them up high upon a rock, giving them the promise that they would read this fairly, um, if you have a problem with, uh, what's that worship chorus that, you know, it's like a big fat kiss or whatever, (laughs) sloppy wet kiss. Don't read the Song of Solomon. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Jesus. Uh, flock of goats and uh, teeth like, uh, I don't know what. Anyway, yeah. But my point is this. God wants us to understand. He wants intimacy with us. He's like, I'm not just your father. I'm not just your shepherd. I'm not just your brother. I'm not just, I'm your bridegroom. I am attracted to my church. I long for my church. I desire intimacy with my sons and my daughters, my bride. And the Lord wants us to hear that as we Sabbath. And like I said earlier, couples, you know this. uh, Wow, when we're redlining it and there's no margin, man, it's hard sometimes to feel like we have even time for each other, isn't it? Because it's just like when the chore list is just over our heads and we're just running and gunning and there's no balance and no, no you know, rhythm, godly rest and Sabbath in our lives. Man, this is a word for, for somebody here. Be encouraged. This is not a word of shame. This is not a word of like, oh, you should do better. This is a word of like, man, God is inviting you into a gift he has for you that he's going to help you discover. And we don't have to be perfect. We can stumble in and like, oh man, I blew it. Ah, that didn't work the way I thought. It's okay. God is saying, it's okay. My son, my daughter, like I have grace for you. But if your heart is to say, yes, I want to learn this. I want to take a step towards paying more attention. Jesus, to you as my bridegroom, to understanding your incredible love for me. Man, God's going to meet us right there. And he's going to give us his revelation. In Luke chapter 10, there was two sisters, Mary and Martha, and I'm not going to get into this a whole lot, but man, one of them was all about all the stuff that had to get done. And it was all good, man. It was important, right? I mean, one of, you know, I don't know how it was back then, but I don't know if they printed out bulletins and had them on the little chairs when Jesus came and taught, you know, in Capernaum or wherever it was. Uh, but there was things to do and things to be cleaned and dusted and whatever. They wanted to have their house in order. A lot of people, I would say, would relate to that. We want, if somebody's company's coming over, we're like, oh, okay, clean the toilet. You know, make sure everything's clean and looks good. She was out doing that. Martha was doing that. But Mary, it says she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she was just taking it all in, just resting at his feet, just listening to him talk under the sound of his voice, being refreshed, being renewed just engaging the things that God had for her that we read in Psalm 23. And she actually, Martha was so upset, she went to Jesus like, Jesus, tell my sister to help me out a little bit. Come on, help a sister out. And Jesus was like, I'm sorry, Martha, you're worried about many things, but only one is required. Only one is the most important. Only one is essential. And she has chosen it, and it will not be taken from her. I just believe that Jesus is saying to us, hey, church, be like Martha, be like Mary. Man, have that desire for me that passionate love desire. Let me kindle in you. Let me rekindle in you during this crazy time all around us as we take the moment to experience Sabbath with him, to pay attention to him in a new way. He's gonna start a fire in us, bring us back to our first love. Like Revelation chapter three says, we can count on him. But church, we wanna say yes to that. He's, he's not gonna force his way in. He wants us to say, do you want that? I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, all come in. Do you realize we talk about that for salvation? That verse was actually written to the church. It was actually written to the church. It was written to us. 
We as them, they as us. Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door of your heart. I want intimacy. I want love. I want relationship. I want friendship. I want more than, than maybe we've had. And, and, and you're going to love it too. It's not something that I just want. You're going to enjoy what, what life and friendship with me looks like. Will we say yes to him? Second Chronicles 36, verse 20, is telling the story of God's people as their story of being independent as a nation was coming to an end. And as God was moving Babylon to come in and take over the land and literally destroy Jerusalem and take them into captivity for 70 years. But here's the interesting thing about that. I'm going to take you there just for a second. Second Chronicles 36, verse 20. And it says this. Forgive me because I'm in the wrong version here. Oh, on screen. Thank you. Um, it says this, in verse 15, it says, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again, trying to tell his people, come on, come back to me. Make me a priority. Put me at the very center of your life. But he had, uh, because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people. So all that to say, this judgment comes from Babylon, carried the people, verse 20, into Babylon, the remnant, who escaped the sword, and they became servants to him and his successors until the kingdom of Persia came to power. But here's the cool thing. It says this in verse 21. The land enjoyed its Sabbath rests all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment with the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. And then the very next verse says this. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, the king of Persia, who was over all the Jewish people in exile, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and put it in writing, saying this, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up, and may the Lord their God be with them. Here's the cool thing about this. God has a way of resetting. When we get so far off that we just kind of lose our way, God has a way of saying, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me step in. Let me, let me, let me move this mountain. Let me, there, you guys have gotten backed up 70 years in Sabbath. They were supposed to let the land rest every seven years so that the crops and the, and the fields and the soil could literally be renewed. And they had gotten so far away from that in their busyness, in their idolatry, in their forgetting to Sabbath with their God that God said, tell you what, I'm going to bring you over here for 70 years. We're going to get all caught up over here. The land's going to rest. It's going to be renewed. Nutrients are going to come back in. Guess what? I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do moving Cyrus so that he's going to make a proclamation that you guys are going to come back. And when my time is completed, guess what? My will for you is not judgment. My will for you is not destruction. My purposes for you are not bad. We read it in Jeremiah 29. His purposes are for us are for good, not for evil. All the days of our life. So God was already like plotting. Yes, I can't wait to bring you back here. Woo, that soil is going to be like ready to bear some bumper crops because you've been been renewed. The land has been renewed. We're gotten caught up on our Sabbath, and now you're paying attention once again to me, my people. I believe God is telling us and inviting us, church, if we will do what he's asking us to do, if we will come into that Sabbath place, pay attention to him, put him first, if we will pay attention to each other, be compassionate, explore new ways. We've got different activities set up as events 
on our social media page, uh, Shine Church Co., if you want to find out who else is getting involved with the blood drive or with the Help and Hope Center or different types of outreach, making sure that food is getting to the elderly, different things like that, you can go and look on that. Or maybe there's other ways that you're discovering yourself to be compassionate, to be caring in a new way for those in your own household. Maybe God is speaking to you to pay more attention to yourself during this time, to find ways to, to settle down to Sabbath, to take a few minutes each day, a few hours, one day a week, or whatever it looks like in your schedule, to truly be refreshed, to let the Lord minister to you. God's going to meet you there. I believe this is going to be a time when we look back and we don't say, well, we barely made it through that pandemic of 2020. I believe this is going to be a season where we look back and say, do you remember the transformation of 2020? Do you remember what God did, how he turned our world upside down, how he shook everything that could be shaken so that what cannot be shaken will remain, how he renewed our foundations in him, how he revealed to us once again the power of Sabbath. Pastor Rob next week is gonna be teaching on the fear of the Lord and humility and what does that look like to rediscover in just that life-giving fear of God. Oh my gosh. I believe we're gonna look back and say, dude, that was like, like kind of like 9-11, we look back and kind of in a negative way, maybe, ah, oh, that's the world after 9-11. I believe we're gonna look back and say, dude, that was before 2020. Now we're living in the abundance. Now we're living in the fullness of God's spirit. Now we're living in the sweet humility and repentance and intimacy with Jesus and being his priest in our world, taking his life, taking his presence to others in revival that he's doing in our lives. If we will just say yes to God, God's gonna meet us and do an incredible thing. I want to read this poem and I'll pray, let you go. This is a poem by Kitty O'Mara. And uh, it was written during a prior crisis that took place that affected, obviously, huge parts of, of the population. But it says these words, And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently, and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed, and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices. They dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. God, I just thank you, Lord, for your promise to us, for your invitation to us to come and experience Sabbath with you, to come and rest, to learn to pause, to learn to say no to the activity so we can say yes to us and so you can say yes to what our heart truly needs most. God, we just pray that your blessing, your grace would be upon us to discover this, to take steps into it, to experience it, and then to reflect your glory as others around us are walking in fear, walking in uncertainty, walking in loneliness. Let us be a people who walk, as Hebrews 4 tells us, who make every effort to enter your Sabbath rest 
It's not just something that can be experienced one day a week or even a few minutes each day, but something that we can walk in every moment of our lives, resting in you, communing with you. Lord, I just thank you and declare over your people this grace by the Holy Spirit to rest, to be refreshed, to be recalibrated, to repent, to be renewed, to understand things in a new way, to pave the way for the incredible things that you want to do through us in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. We thank you for it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.